Hey everyone and welcome dear listener to this episode of Security Headlines. In this episode I am joined by one of the people I personally think is doing amazing stuff. In Michael Warren Lucas' book Savage by System D, which is an amazing funny shorter read that I recommend everyone should read. He talks about System D as the program as the program being an actual person and he t- tells it I just don't think it's okay that an init manager should have a built-in DCP server in it. I was amazed by this, and I actually thought it was a joke, but I looked it, looked it up. And Systemd actually has a DHCP server in it. The point I want to make is that this program that has gotten way out of hand and done a lot more than it was supposed to do, but luckily there are a lot of alternatives. Joining me today is someone that wrote and maintains OpenBSD's Init Manager, RCTL, a great program that does what it's supposed to do, is easy to read and fun to play around with. With me today is one of the great minds behind the OpenBSD project, operator of the French OpenBSD package mirror, GNOME advocate, developer, package maintainer, the list goes on and on. It's Antoine Yakut. Welcome to Security Headlines, Antoine. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Philippe. Thank you very much for having me. So you're involved in a lot of cool projects, such as RCTL, SysPatch, and a lot of things. But before we jump into all this project, I want to hear... How did your journey into like hacking and technology start? Why technology and why the crazy world of software? Oh man, that's a, that's a tricky tricky question. Um, why technology? Uh, I'll say that the, my first interest back when I was a kid about technology um, and about computing, especially, was not about programming software uh, or anything like that. It was more about understanding how do machines communicate between each other. So I started more, my journey more, at least my interest journey, more on the, on the network side mm-hmm. of things, because that, that was at the time something uh, magical and amazing to me to, uh, right. to have uh, table machines and exchanging stuff and, uh, and then talking to each other. So that's basically how, how my, uh, my interest, my first interest was, uh, was picked. And then from there, uh, it evolved to a whole kind of different area of interest have uh, my professional life been uh, has been uh, very dense and wide in term in terms of technical position I've, i didn't go to school very long so i had to basically teach myself and so i, I went all around kind of different positioning which also uh, my interest in a lot of different tech topics basically so that's uh, yeah that's how uh, it all started was there any light and why did moment? i end up on uh, yeah. a lighting bulb moment um no, I wouldn't say that. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. But basically, okay, this is really cool technology, and I want to spend and allocate a lot of time doing this. All right. If you're talking about uh, about OpenBSD, uh, basically, what tricked me into uh, <laughs> into uh, in working on it and contributing and using it as a professional software, as a hobby, etc., etc., were two things. First, the security, obviously. Uh, and I'm saying that because I'm not someone who has a strong security background. And it was one of the reasons why I chose to, uh, to try and massively use this operating system is that because there were clever people that were able to do it instead of yep. myself. Um, so I didn't have to uh, take care about that part, which was really nice because I'm lazy. And, uh, and the second part is uh, really the simplicity and, uh, of this, and, and which, which makes it even uh, some sort of an art, is the simplicity and, uh, and the ease of use of the system. We, we live in a, in a very complex world uh, today, technical world. And I think the, the paradigm uh, in which OpenBSD tries to evolve is really interesting uh, in the fact that it tries to uh, 
do complex things, but in simple ways. You've been involved in the OpenBSD project for a while now. Why do you think you have stayed? Is it because it's, uh, it just works out really good? And uh, why do you think it makes it so attractive for you to stay there? Uh, it's mostly thanks to the people. Awesome. Uh, the OpenBSD... Yeah, the OpenBSD uh, development crowd is really uh, is really an interesting gang. Made some real, real good friends uh, there. I'm surrounded by uh, people that are super smart, super clever, that knows much more on pretty much anything than I do. So for me, of course, it's very exciting because I can I can grow technically and grow as a person. Open source is really my uh, my life motto. Awesome. When it comes to uh, to computing, I think that this particular gang. Yeah, we're back. Okay. Sorry, it was a short interruption. Yeah, you were saying, please continue. No, I was, uh, was Swedish, basically. I was, was uh, saying that, that uh, open source is really my, my uh, technical uh, motto in life. And that the particular OpenBS crowd slash gang is, uh, is, is what should be open source uh, in a community project. Totally. I mean, OpenBSD got some, uh, you know, the word on the street is that Theo is very mean to everyone, but I haven't like experienced any toxic behavior. And every time I have a problem, I just post on the mailing list. And uh, there's always like three or four people that uh, respond within different ways to, uh, to solve a problem. So I think like the OpenBSD mailing list, the community there is really amazing. And I'm so happy that everyone is very helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, the, we, again, a different crowd than most of the the other open source uh, project. The way that we we demand work before, you know, asking questions, which I would say it's the minimum respect when people are basically uh, doing for you or doing stuff that you are using. Uh, so it's at least uh, do a minimum of homework. Uh, show that you tried, you know, working around the, the issue that you're having yourself and so that you can also provide maximum information when you're, when, when you're looking for help. Yeah, that's it's a great crowd, but uh, whoever maybe uh, we're a bit maybe more demanding than other, other groups. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's shown a lot in the quality of it and the ease of use and actually producing a good product, which I think is, is really amazing. So let's jump into a project that I really enjoy that you have been uh, creating and you're actively developing called RCTL. What is RCTL for someone that's never touched BSD? All right, so um, RC control or RCCTL, you can see this uh, somehow as the uh, the service command that you have in other uh, Unix uh, operating system, uh, but on, on steroid, basically. Nice. Uh, what it does, and it, it is true with uh, at least most of the utilities that I wrote for, for OpenBSD, is that it leverages a big amount of base system toolings you know, to uh, to provide uh, to provide a, a set of features. In this case, uh, so it's not it's not an init system. We have a, we have the traditional uh, init system. But what it does is what it will interact with the different facilities, services, and demons that uh, OpenBSD provide, so that you can basically configure the behavior, whether it's start, stop, reboot, restart, sorry, etc., uh, etc. Et and it also uh, it also gives you a unified interface for interacting with this. Um, OpenBSD traditionally used the, uh, the traditional BSD RC system. We used to have a big uh, TCRC file where a daemon where, where it started from. Um, mm -hmm. About, I would say, I don't remember, but let's look, maybe eight years ago or nine years ago, something like that. Robert uh, at OpenBSD and I developed ETCRCD, which is uh, basically a collection 
of small scripts that are used to, uh, to start the daemons. If you have similar tooling like this in other some Linux distributions or other BSDs, we developed our own because we had, uh, we, we had some ideas ideas and something that we wanted to do differently than uh, than the other operating system. So it's not like not inventing here syndrome. It's really that we have uh, particularities in OpenBSD uh, that we wanted to take uh, take advantage of. And this unified interface is nice because it allows you to, uh, to interact with different uh, demons, but also uh, stuff that you can enable or disable in RC. Uh, it could be the firewall, for example, which is not a demon, a kernel facility, and other things like that. And uh, this was all this work was basically triggered at the time that Robert and I were working uh, for a company that uh, used to massively deploy OpenBSD servers, workstation, etc. Oh, nice. Uh, all kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in all part of the world, and we had to uh, to do a huge uh, industrialization of the uh, the entire OpenBSD fleet that we had. So we use uh, we used at the time the traditional uh, automation tools such as Opet and, and stuff like that, but um, there was basically no provider for for OpenBSD to uh, in interact with Daemon. So at the time we started to write uh, some Ruby code and stuff like that to handle that. And um, and we said, but this is not scalable in the way that uh, if we need to, to change the tool one day, we're moving from Puppet to Ansible or, or, or whatnot, we'll have to redo everything that we're doing right now. What we should do is develop something in OpenBSD uh, to change, uh, to extend the, uh, the traditional init system, uh, at least the traditional RC system and provide a unified interface so that uh, those automation tools use that unified interface um, to, uh, to, to set up uh, the machines. Nice. Is that company still doing that? Yes. Nice to see OpenBSD workstation out in the real company <laughs> yeah. world. <laughs> that was actually the one of the, the, the most... The, it was horrible, both horrible and very interesting. Okay. And trust me, when you walk into an... Uh, an office of a, a huge international company and you, know, you see that multiple floor of this uh, this office are filled with the uh, OpenBSD workstation uh, that's <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, that's pretty fun to see <laughs> that's awesome so has people forked or, or CTL and the work behind that has it been ported to other systems and stuff like that because it's very clean and I think it's 600 lines of shell code yeah right <laughs> Um, something like that, I guess. Yeah, so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty optimized code. The uh, at the time, very nice uh, exchanges with the, with a few folks uh, from OpenBSD that are really shell master uh, to see how I could, we could uh, we could optimize the, the actual shell code, uh, which was awesome. uh, which was really fun fun things to do. Is is a horrible in a way, but it's also a really really uh, really funky to to work with because that's one of these things that you learn new stuff every day uh, it looks simple it looks uh, old school it, it looks like you shouldn't you know use that to to write that kind of stuff but at the end of the day it, it works really nice and uh, and when you're using a lot of buildings uh, proper globbing etc you can do really funky stuff with it and uh, at least at least i find it's fun that's nice that's nice and that is with corn shell correct yes that's, that's corn yeah. shell. that's nice how, how does your development life look in general? Like when you're supposed to write a script, what's programming language of choice and what do you develop with? Uh, okay, I, do, I don't do that much uh, development anymore. Well, first of all, I'm, I've, I have a strong uh, operation background. I'm, uh, okay. I'm, really, uh, I'm really initially a, a, a sysadmin. So most of the programming that I've done uh, in my career was uh, really targeted toward uh, tooling. Automation. Uh, yeah. More than, uh, well, should, well, I don't 
consider structure as code really as uh, as programming. Uh, no, I was really yeah. uh, t- talking about the building, uh, building, uh, you know, tooling from scratch and all this or that. Oh, okay, um, okay, right. Anything that would make my uh, my life easier, basically, a day-to-day basis. But the way I start a project usually is uh, is really to try to understand the, the the problem that I'm trying to solve, look into how other people may have solved it and why am I not using uh, what others have done. I need to have a, to have a good reason. I don't like reinventing the wheel. So that's, the, that's really the first, the first step. Then the design exactly is like, it's like half of, uh, of the time of, uh, of developing uh, some tooling is uh, for me spent on the, on the piece of paper or over a whiteboard or something like that to, uh, to make sure that design is, is good. I don't want to start writing anything before I have a, I have a perfectly perfect design because I don't want to, uh, to stop in the middle and saying, okay, there's something I didn't figure out and I need to, to redo it from scratch or, or whatnot. And try to write a, a few uh, a few lines of code that, to demonstrate uh, what can be done. And when I'm happy with uh, the direction that it's taken, then uh, then I just start, uh, start writing. And then uh, I usually keep it simple, try to keep it as open as possible for iteration because uh, we'll never succeed in the first place. And I'm, I'm pretty known for, for my uh, huge amount of iteration that I do usually. Um, <laughs> I, I usually have a first, I would say, MVP uh, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, then I have like two weeks of, weeks of iteration, a very fast iteration uh, after that. Trial and error, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's how I, I work. And, uh, and the last but not least is uh, testing, 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 testing. That's not. How do you do testing? And do you have some CI system, or do you just do you have a special way to do testing? No, not no, not for that that kind of stuff. I usually have a, have a script uh, for that. Uh, there is a for such tooling. I don't need I don't need to have a complete uh, industrialization system or continuous integration uh, channel. It's it's way simpler. Oh, that's nice. A really cool project that got like introduced. I think it was in uh, OpenBSD 6.1 was the open app uh, that you could use to download binary patches from M tier, but it got cancelled right because of the launch of syspatch. Am I right? Yes. So um, open up is something that I worked at the time that I was in M tier uh, exactly for the reason that you say to uh, be able to, uh, to provide a binary patch system. Cool. Because again, we had a, we had a fleet edge, and you can't you can't you know manage uh, several hundred machine easily if you don't provide uh, some kind of uh, automation for that. And the first brick of that automation was to have binary patches. So at the time we did uh, we did some in-house stuff, then distributed it uh, with uh, I don't remember exactly what, but we wanted to have something uh, to offer basically the community of OpenBSD users, uh, the same kind of tool that we were using. So we built uh, we built what we call OpenUp, which was used to, to for two things, uh, which uh, OpenBSD didn't provide at the time but does now. Those are binary patches for the operating system, for what we call the base system. And updated packages as well, because uh, historically OpenBSD didn't provide uh, updates uh, for stable packages, only only uh, ports update. But you had to be the tool. And it's true that uh, a few years later, uh, we wanted to have something in OpenBSD officially, so in the base system, and uh, not uh, as an outside tool. Uh, and that's uh, that's the reason that we started uh, again with uh, Robert to work on Syspatch. Oh, nice. How does it work when, when a binary patch is created for Syspatch? 
Okay, so basically, so the, the process of, uh, I would say, uh, an errata, uh, which would lead to, uh, to the creation of a syspatch. Um, so, so a security issue uh, or reliability issue uh, is discovered. Okay, uh, then we try to gather the developer that are knowledgeable uh, on the topic, find a proper fix, which hopefully gets uh, created, reviewed, then uh, committed to uh, the current uh, branch of uh, OpenBSD. Then we do a, we do a backport in two different ways. One uh, is a backport for the stable branch, and one is a backport in the form of a regular patch to the source tree. And it is this patch file that will be used to build to build the syspatch. Okay. Um, a syspatch in itself a syspatch in itself is just a small tar gz containing oh. the updated files it can be binaries uh, uh, or anything else and it's not it's, it's not it's not an easy process in the way that um, that as you know we have uh, we had a lot of randomness in our uh, build process on uh, on openbsd we also randomized the uh, the, the sh shared object order and, and to know exactly what we put in a patch uh, because when you build library like uh, like uh, libresl or openssl at the time it may impact a lot of different areas in the system not just the libraries itself because there's some stuff that's statically uh, calling to it yeah it. And these need to be rebuilt as well. And to make sure that we don't forget anything, for each syspatch, uh, we rebuild a complete release, which we diff from the previous one. Okay, and that's how we get exactly the list of stuff that changed between uh, one syspatch and the other. And uh, and diffing is pretty tricky because of the randomization that we do during during building. So yeah. our build script, uh, which is which are uh, available in the source tree of OpenBSD, and cope with uh, with that particular situation. And we use uh, we use an exclude uh, regular expression for redelf uh, read to be able to rebuild the new binaries with the same object ordering that we used to build the previous one so that we had, we don't have false positive basically so it's oh, not uh, it's so not nice. that easy it's just uh, it's not just a patch uh, and 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 deploy this uh, it's a bit more tricky than that how long does it normally take to go from someone receiving an email and creating an eretta to finding the problem to actually fixing it because i've been very surprised with how fast it is being a like voluntary driven system like the for example the Recently, there was like this open uh, SMTPD remote code execution, and that was fixed very, very fast. So, how long does it normally take to build uh, build a patch? There is no, there is no, no, no average number. The only thing I can tell you is like it's really, really fast, and and we can thank uh, Theo and and TJ for that. They're they're really reactive for the errata. Uh, we can also uh, uh, thank uh, TB and Robert that are building patch. So usually, I would say uh, honestly, if it's if it's a security issue and we we kind of already know how to fix it, it can take uh, less than a day, uh, really less than 24 hours. Uh, oh, wow. That is... So yeah, it's really fast. Really but, uh, you know, we, we don't have a, we don't have a, com yeah, but we, we don't have a committee. We don't have a security officer. We don't have, a, you know, all that uh, administrative stuff. We're still, uh, we're still small enough that we can easily interact and exchange, you know, and, and proceed fast on that kind of issues. So that's good to kind of cut away the bureaucracy fit. That's really nice. Yeah. So let, let's talk a bit about 
What, what kind of advice would you give someone that has written some maybe nice uh, C++ application and want it to get to get uh, ported and have it in the in the OpenBHD package repository? Because like the true journalist I am, I, I poked around and I looked how many packages you have maintained and you have like been active in over 300 different OpenBSD packages. That's insane. I mean, you must have a lot of learning by doing experience. So what has been some kind of troubles porting and what do you wish you knew before you were starting? Okay, so if you're, if you're, what well, there are two sides to your questions. Um, the first one yeah. is that if I'm a programmer and I write something in C++ or whatever, and I want to port it to OpenBSD, uh, if you want someone to do the job for you, that's perfectly possible. Just send a nice message to the ports at OpenBSD mailing list, and uh, if your software looks uh, fun. Uh, someone will pick it up and port it. Um, if you want to do the, the job yourself, it's your best bet. Again, you, it's hard for you to, to port uh, software to OpenBSD and package it if you're not using OpenBSD yourself, or at least you don't have an OpenBSD machines at your disposal so that you can actually uh, do the work. It's not something that you can do on an, an other operating system. What you do is exactly what you said. It's like uh, you learn by doing it. Uh, we have a documentation. We have a few documentation on the, on the, on the website uh, that will give you the basics basically, you will probably not grasp uh, all the concepts that are behind porting uh, building um, because there, there, there's some stuff that you understand only by doing it. Uh, and it's good that yep. you read the documentation because, uh, because it will remind you of what you read and then you will put things into a perspective and you will understand. But that's really something that uh, that's, uh, only the training basically will, will teach you. But it, it's, it's really not a hard exercise. Uh, you just pick a simple port in the tree, uh, and you you basically copy what it does and, and adapt it to uh, to your need and and uh, and read the documentation as you go and uh, and really just you know use what people have done before in other ports and start from that. What are the requirements for a package to get added into the official? Uh, OpenBSD package repositories. There's uh, there's uh, no requirement uh, as as long as the uh, the port is probably done. Uh, right. Absolutely no requirement. It's it's fully open. <laughs> Uh, of course, we usually well, we can't we can't redistribute everything. Uh, there are there are a few ports that we have which we cannot redistribute uh, because the license doesn't, uh, doesn't permit it because they're commercial stuff. Um, okay, yeah. We used to, uh, to have a port for the Opera browser back in the days. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So, but so, so those were commercial binaries. So we, we, we wouldn't provide a package, but we would provide a port so that anyone who wanted to build a package for that, it was just a matter of uh, typing make, make install and, uh, and, and be done with it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but are there any like common mistakes that uh, that you see are common between new porters of software to OpenD that maybe some common pitfalls that people should avoid? Honestly, I've, I haven't I haven't pinpoint a particular issue that uh, that recurrently occurs for porters. Maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but uh, no, it's usually. Uh, now people make mistake at first, but uh, that's I mean that's pretty normal when you're when you're learning your way in. But uh, I don't I don't think there is something that common that people do. And if that was the case, we would uh, we would fix the process of the documentation accordingly. So, 
So let's uh, jump into a bit of window manager. You, I know you're involved in the GNOME project. Why GNOME? <laughs> Because there was the uh, chosen solution at the time uh, when I joined a company that uh, was shipping a lot of uh, OpenBSD-based uh, workstation. Uh, oh, we're nice. using GNOME. And so that that's basically how I got involved in the in in the whole uh, whole process of uh, of porting GNOME. Uh, that's also the reason why I maintained that many ports. That GNOME is just uh, is such a giant piece of software that depends on uh, half of the port tree. Kidding, it's not half, but it's a huge amount of dependencies. So that's also the reason why I'm involved in so many uh, so many stuff in there. How often do you update? The, do you follow GNOME's releases, or how how often do you update? The... So I work on GNOME mostly with uh, Jasper, OpenBSD. We're doing that, the two of us, and we've been doing it for uh, a huge amount of time now. We are very close to uh, their, the release schedule of GNOME. Uh, like currently oh, on nice. current, uh, we have the, the most recent uh, GNOME version. So usually uh, what happens is that when, when a new GNOME uh, gets released, Um, we gathered together with uh, Jasper and, uh, and set up a small uh, scheduling to uh, to um, to work on it together. So it's usually it's usually within max a two month time frame maximum that we have the the, the new GNOME release. So we're we're following pretty uh, pretty uh, closely. It was uh, now it's it has become an exercise that is uh, way easier than it used to be in the in the beginning uh, honestly the the move from gnome 2 to gnome 3 at the time was a was a huge amount of work and i'm still thankful to uh, the company i was working with at the time for the, basically paying us into into porting that uh, giant software it was an insane amount of work and The updates at the time was really traumatic, uh, as well, and really time-consuming. We had the chance with uh, with Jasper to be uh, officially part of the uh, the GNOME project, meaning that uh, we had the commit access and stuff like that. So it was way oh, easier. Nice. It was way easier to push uh, patches upstreams. And so, yeah, I would say that now updates are still take uh, some time because uh, there's a lot of stuff to work on, but they're they're much easier uh, than in the past. So we usually uh, we. we We are usually able to do it over a weekend. Uh, the two of us, we, we do like a informal small hackathon, just uh, Jasper and I uh, nice. work on it. And then uh, then we, we spend about uh, about a week fixing uh, runtime or regression that may happen. That's nice. Obviously using GNOME every day uh, at work uh, because uh, eat your own dog food. So, <laughs> Are you running the latest? Yes. We're running the latest OpenBSD with the latest GNOME. And... Everything is good. No crashes. Oh, no, uh, it does crash. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's software. So software crashes and software has bugs. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So something I wanted to pick your brain about, because you are, yeah, you're re really into OpenBSD. And I think the guy to ask about this, what, what do you think OpenBSD and A do you think OpenBSD will have a future with AWS? Because, you know, AWS is... Amazon is, you know, massively expanding at the moment and they're just hiring a lot of people and they seem to be wanting to support a lot of uh, free BSD stuff. Do, do you think uh, people will, Amazon will be adopting OpenBSD and stuff from OpenBSD? Well, um, I don't think AWS will adopt uh, OpenBSD. I think it's... Uh, 
the the opposite. Uh, I don't think AWS cares at all about uh, supporting. BSD has done a, a, a big amount of work supporting uh, the, the necessary drivers and runs really well on uh, on AWS. Uh, so kudos to, uh, to, to their team uh, for that. Is there a future? Uh, yes, uh, I think so. I've, I've deployed OpenBSD on AWS uh, a few times in the past for okay. a, few, uh, a, a few workload. Um, at the time, thanks to, to Reich and a few other people from his company, they were able to develop the proper kernel support for the Xen version that uh, that AWS was running. So uh, OpenBSD on AWS still runs on old type of instances, uh, but that doesn't on the new one. Okay. Uh, there we're, we're missing we're missing drivers. I think we're missing the network driver. So basically, you boot, but you can't access the uh, the instance. Um, so it, it's probably not not very complex, uh, but someone needs to to you know have a need for it and and do the work. Uh, we have we have a few and I wrote a small one, but uh, others have done as well. Uh, we have a few cloud init uh, replacement, uh, very small, um, to be able to bootstrap instances, uh, run uh, your user data and uh, and whatnot. So I mean, uh, every basically everything is here, and you can you can really easily automate uh, OpenBSD on AWS. The only Things missing today is uh, yeah proper kernel support for uh, for a new type of instances. But I think I think where there there are many things that uh, where OpenBSD could be used on uh, on AWS. To be honest, OpenBSD being a general operating system uh, can replace a lot of uh, of uh, other uh, other OS in some use cases. There's some stuff it's not really good at, so I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, on AWS, it would do uh, it does a great uh, NAT getaway, does a great uh, concentrator endpoint, can do a, can do a whole bunch of different workload uh, that would uh, would otherwise uh, um, give to other uh, operating system. I, uh, I did deploy a solution um, that was a um, solution to control a uh, document being shipped outside of the company. Basically, okay. it was controlling what uh, what was happening on the uh, on the on the network, um, and that was all based on the on OpenBSD and. Uh, that, that triggered like a, like automatic uh, automated uh, firewall ruling etc. If people misbehave and stuff like that, and that was all running uh, running on OpenBSD. So that's nice. I don't think a lot of people realize how much you actually get in the base install of OpenBSD. You get so much uh, good stuff like HTTP server and uh, ACMA client and uh, Sysmerge. Are you the, are you maintaining Sysmerge as well? Yeah, 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 I, uh, I wrote it. Uh, I wrote it as well. Amazing. Now again, you That's... know everything that makes my life easier. <laughs> I love this merch. It's just so easy to uh, to use. And for all our listeners that doesn't know this merch, this merch is an OpenBSD utility that will, uh, when you run it after an install, it will list the the changes you need to make in uh, in the configuration file, right? Yeah, basically, uh, basically it's a it's a system configuration file updating to update tool when you upgrade it will actually run automatically and uh, uh, merge everything it can uh, by itself and in doubt it will uh, it will send you a mail and uh, uh, and log on the console what needs to be to be merged manually uh, merging manually just means rerunning sys uh, merge interactively and you have a you have a an sdiff uh, process that helps you uh, basically do the merge so yeah it's pretty handy it's not uh, only for the base system it can uh, it also allows you to uh, merge configuration of all the, your packages uh, yeah that's awesome 
I, I really enjoy that. That just saves me so much time, especially when I upgrade to uh, the next release and then uh, there is some like uh, there's some daemon that won't start and then I'll run merge and it will just solve it for me almost. I, I really I really enjoy that. Happy it's useful. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the next segment where I ask you some quick questions so we get to know you better. What's your favorite drink? Oh, okay, I would say scotch, I guess. Single malt. Yeah, that's nice. When do you feel the most happy in your week? When do you feel that you're peaking on happiness daily week? As soon as I uh, interact with one of my open BSD folks to uh, try and debug something. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> What's your favorite outside activity? I don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I'm, I'm an inside. No, seriously, I'm an inside guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I can tell you. Uh, I wouldn't tell. I have nothing interesting to say on that. Um, okay. What's your favorite IDE or text editor? VI. Nice. You haven't switched to Vim, or you're not doing that. No, no, no. I hate colors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about workflow. How does your workflow look like? Do you have a special way that you allocate your hours? Do you sit down and then you do maybe eight hours? Or do you do a bit in the morning, then you take breaks? And how does that work? You mean when I play around with, uh, with OpenBSD or um, in my life in general? <laughs> Let's start with in general. Well, you know, I guess I'm like everybody. I wake up uh, and I go to work and then I work. And uh, I, don't have, uh, I don't have that much time to, to hack around uh, during the day, uh, unfortunately. My job doesn't involve uh, OpenBSD anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess, I guess my, my daily life would be pretty, uh, pretty boring to, uh, you know, to talk about. Um, regarding regarding uh, what I do on OpenBSD, um, it depends. Um, have a have a like every other busy developer, I guess, uh, a gigantic to do list. Um, and so it depends, it can be it can be something that I um that I organize the, a couple, one or a couple of, uh, of uh, OpenBSD developer because we want to work uh, on something. So it could be the GNOME update or it could be a debugging a particular piece of software. We could be even building uh, something new because I usually like it when I, when I develop with, uh, with someone else. Uh, and in this particular situation, we usually schedule ahead uh, because we all, you know, have a busy life. And that usually, uh, usually happens during the weekend uh, or in the evening or we wait for hackathons. Okay. When I do stuff on my own, it's, uh, I don't plan anything. It's basically, uh, it's, I do it on my free time and, uh, and, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like, uh, like uh, you know, I'm going to go uh, very, very far. And it's the opposite that's happening. So I don't, I don't really nice. have a process. Uh, I just sit down and, uh, you know, look at my to-do and say, no, I don't want to do that. And uh, I will do something else. Or... All right. That's nice. What's the best way for someone to send a feature request to any of the software that you maintain? Oh, for my software? Oh, they can contact me directly. I don't bite. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, but in general, for the for the project, um, it's, it's it's tricky. Uh, it's hard. It's very hard to be able to uh, ask a crowd like uh, like ours for feature request 
considering the fact that we, uh, for 99% of us, we do it uh, for fun on our free time and we want to work only on stuff that, you know, uh, are fun for us. And yeah. it's, I think, I guess it's hard for someone to come up on the list and say, hey, folks, I would like this or that, or I need this or that in a way that would be, uh, you know, taken into consideration by any of the, of the developers. Porting is easy. So you can say, okay, it would be really cool if uh, we had this, uh, this this port and tree and blah, blah, blah. Implementing new feature in softwares, it's usually uh, more tricky, it's a trickier. And yeah, so I would say if you know someone in the project, just contact him. <laughs> if you don't, maybe try to uh, implement it yourself or or if you cannot do it and you think it's it, it should really be a feature in a particular piece of software in OpenBSD, then uh, you need to seriously uh, argument uh, your case in a, in a very nice way so that you pick the interest of someone. And, and if you pick the interest, that someone may be able to, to uh, eventually do it. Awesome. How often does that happen, that people just send random feature requests? Is that common or is it...? It's not uncommon. Um, the, the, the funny things is that I would say that in, in half of the requests that I get for a new feature uh, are features that are already existing, but people are not seeing it, seeing them because they don't, they think, oh. they think one tool sh- should provide everything basically. And, uh, and, and they, for some reason, they stop uh, thinking this is Unix and by, you know, uh, making several tools work together, they will get the feature uh, that they need. So, so the feature is there. They just need to instrument it using the provider tooling. Okay. Next question. What's your favorite song or band? Oh, that's too hard. Okay, I'm an old fart, so I would say I would say the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. I don't have a favorite song. I have many. Isn't it Rolling Stone who did Street Fighting Man? Right? Yes. Rolling Stones, right? Oh yeah, I love that song. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're really good. How do you do package management? How do you make sure all your um, package stays up to date and safe? And how, how do you roll out syspatch being a, well, a power user or like the godfather behind it? Um, okay, so first, I'm not the godfather <laughs> of, of, uh, of, of syspatch or, or, or anything. Uh, usually in the base system, I don't really pay attention because most of the of the stuff there is handled by uh, by other people. Uh, syspatch in itself is two things. It's the uh, the build process uh, of, a, of, a, of a patch, of a syspatch, uh, and it's the tool to uh, to interact with these uh, dispatchers, okay? To install them, to roll back, uh, to list, etc. So um, I was more focus on the tooling than on the building side. Uh, the building side was uh, done a little bit by, by me, but mostly by, uh, by Robert. Um, and when it comes to updating uh, stuff in base, usually other developers that are, that are in this area of the source tree uh, decides exactly when something needs to be updated or whether to a new release or because they need to be patched for security issue and stuff like that. Um, regarding the ports tree, we're using um, a tool that is called a port roach, uh, openbsd.org, uh, which is okay. a fork of the original port scout from FreeBSD. And it's basically a, a big Perl uh, crawler that uh, crawls the entire port tree, figure out the, uh, the, the where to pick up the, uh, the disk files. Uh, and they have, uh, they have heuristic to, uh, so they connect to uh, FTP servers, HTTP server to GitHub uh, and whatnot. And uh, they have heuristic to see if there is a new release available for that particular uh, port. It's not 100% proof. Uh, I think it worked in 
90% of the cases. But that means that uh, most of the outdated port, uh, we have a warning about it. So we know what to update. How often do you update your personal systems? Do you always try to stay on the current release? And how often do you like yes. run a package add minus you? Yeah. Uh, very often, uh, very often. I'm running. Uh, I'm, I'm running a port build farm uh, on the side as well to be able to uh, to to catch a build issue uh, very fast. Uh, I can build the entire port tree. Uh, I used to be able to build it in in less than twelve hours. Now it's a it's a big uh, it's it's a big bigger because uh, we have new monsters in the <laughs> in the tree. Uh, but basically, I run a complete bulk every twenty four hours. Um, okay. So so I don't use the uh, the, the official packages that much because I usually use what uh, I've been building using this uh, this build farm, and so I update uh, you know on a very regular basis. Uh, it can happen that I don't update for for a couple of weeks because uh, you know work and I've uh, have no time to do anything else. Uh, but usually, if I can, I can I update every two days. What's your favorite karaoke song? What uh, song are you most <laughs> likely to sing at karaoke? <laughs> My way. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> What's your favorite IRC client? Uh, RSI. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Very simple and uh, amazing. Uh, I just I just run it in Tmax in some uh, in open uh, on my open BSD VMs. It's really amazing. Isn't Tmax yep. also an same here open BSD project or the Tmax developer is? Originally, it wasn't, but it got pretty fast. Uh, it became pretty fast on an OpenBSD project, yes. But uh, originally, no. Uh, it was it was developed uh, outside the of uh, your uh, OpenBSD uh, tree. Since then, no, and now that uh, it was developed at the time, uh, it's still developed, sorry, by uh, Nicholas uh, Marriott, who is now uh, obviously an OpenBSD developer. Uh, so now the uh, the official repo uh, and the official development is uh, is uh, OpenBSD, um, but it didn't start in OpenBSD. It's a very very nice uh, replacement for Screen. I'm I'm really happy oh, yeah. to. <laughs> to have migrated from uh, from screen to Tmax, so to say. All right, I think I got uh, got through all the quick questions. Is there anything we've forgotten that you would like to highlight? Keep it simple and stupid. Uh, and for like everyone that has never tried OpenBSD, do you have any advice on like maybe good first time applications that they can spin up with OpenBSD? Most of the uh, uh, the I mean most of the uh, the. Um ecosystem uh, the application stack of the uh, the open source ecosystem uh, is available on openbsd i mean people uh, people who, people are coming from linux uh, they, they can very, i wouldn't say they will you know feel at home uh, right away but uh, if they want to install uh, gnome and firefox or chromium and stuff like that uh, in libreoffice we we have all that so so at least on, on a graphical point of view uh, they will be able to uh, immediately uh, be productive and uh, and then they, they will start learning the the, the massive difference uh, that exists between between openbsd and wbsd in general and the, and the linux world so no, I, I, honestly, whatever you're using, uh, you can probably find it uh, packaged and ready to be used uh, on OpenBSD. Just just read, you know, the few fundamentals that will get you going. Uh, how do I, yeah, how the machine boots? Uh, how do I uh, install a package? Uh, and that's it. But uh, it, again, it's a pretty simple system to, uh, to orchestrate.
That's awesome. So what does the future hold for you? What are you currently working on that's going to get released? <laughs> uh, right now, I'm mostly uh, working on, uh, on bug fixes uh, regarding, uh, regarding GNOME and related te- uh, technologies. As I told you, I have a, I have a massive uh, to-do list, so I, I don't know. I have a big, uh, big plan right now. There are a few things I would still like to improve in, in, in RC control. Uh, and stuff like that, but I don't have a I don't have a new tool in mind <laughs> yet that, that I'm planning on my on, on working on. That's nice, Antoine. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today. I I really enjoy talking with you. Uh, it's really fun to get to talk with uh, the the people that write the software I actually use. It was my pleasure. All right, for for all of the listeners that want to like keep up to date with what you're doing, how do they? follow you or stalk you on the internet so to say well they can uh, they, they, i guess the only uh, social network they can stalk me on is, uh, is twitter and uh, my handle is easy it's uh, aja Couto, uh, like uh, like my open bsd uh, login so awesome Not we'll hiding. have that linked in the in, in the show notes all right antoine thank you so much for uh, taking the time with me today and I, i'll hope you come back somewhere in the future all right have a good one with pleasure thank you philip bye